Black alert, if you're a fan of Disco Nights and Star Trek Discovery, don't miss Disco Nights Live this March at WonderCon with host Chase Masterson and special guests recording a live episode of the Ultimate Discovery Podcast. If you're a Discovery fan, you don't want to miss this live event at WonderCon with Chase and her special guest, Disco Nights Live at WonderCon. Bring your disco shoes. If you're a fan of the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, then you'll love seeing your favorite Inglorious Trexperts hosts live at WonderCon. Join us for a very special guest as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of Star Trek V as we record a live episode of Inglorious Trexperts. You heard right, Star Trek V. We all hide a secret pain. See you there. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Trexperts. If you're a Star Trek fan who thinks you know everything about the history of Star Trek, check out my best-selling two-volume oral history of Star Trek from St. Martin's Press, The 50-Year Mission, available wherever books, digital, and audiobooks are sold. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Welcome to a very, very special week on Inglorious Trexperts. Why is it celebration. It's a celebration. It's a celebration of uh, an auteur, a poet, a singer, a thespian, uh, um, a personality, a rancateur, an equestrian. Thank you, thank you, Robert Meyer Burnett, who is joining (laughs) us for this very special celebration of the art of being Bill. Well, why are we celebrating Bill Shatner? Well, every day is a celebration of Bill Shatner, as far as we're concerned. (laughs) But March twenty second is Bill's birthday. And uh, as he's fond of pointing out, he was a uh, um, couple of days younger than right. four Le- days younger, four days younger than Leonard Nimoy, uh, who will be celebrating uh, the life of Leonard next week. Um, he's not dead as long as we remember him. He's not gone as long as we remember him. But this week is a celebration of Bill Shatner. Uh, we recorded an episode many, many, many weeks ago, uh, but we felt we wanted to hold it for his birthday yeah, to celebrate just what a remarkable man and talent and human being and friend Bill Shatner has been to all of us. Uh, D- Double infinity, 88. It's extraordinary. He was born in 1931. Yeah. In Montreal. 1931. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. And, and, and not so long ago, Darren spent some time with him and Ticonderoga, New York, where they 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 uh, f- uh, gently sparred with each other. Spent a couple days and uh, gave uh, tours of the sets there uh, with Mr. Shatner, and, and it was it was so much fun. And he he is so full of life and curiosity, and verve. He loves interacting. It's amazing. You know, how crazy is it that he was ten and a half years old when the United States entered? World War II on December 7th, 1941. And in this year, the year that he is going to be 88 years old is the 40th anniversary of Star Trek The Motion Picture, which also opened on December 7th. Yeah, that's wild. And, you know, he he recently wrote a book called uh, Live Long and, well, you know the rest. dot, dot, dot. Yeah, and dot, dot, dot. And it's all about his philosophy of life. And it's very open. He talks about his cancer scare. It talks about his loves and his losses. But basically, it answers the question, how is it possible that 88 years old, you are like the Energizer Bunny? You know, that he has more energy... And, and more passion than people half his age. Yeah. And, and, and the answer is to basically, well, one jokingly, he says, say yes to everything, right. which is funny. But he says, stay inquisitive, stay playful, never stop moving, and always and trying new things. He lives day. that credo. And uh, we have so much respect for him. We grew up wanting to be him, and now we're lucky enough, uh, all of us, to know him and uh, but we continue to worship him. <laughs> but, but in a way, I, I think I want to be him again. Yeah. Because right. I want to be 88 years old and have the the verve and the energy and the wit that he still has about about Hell, him. Hell, I want to be like that now. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny because growing up as as kids, you know, I mean, we were in 
you know, eight, nine years old, whatever. We, we grew up wanting to be him who was what, then in his 30s or his 40s. I think he was in his 50s when he did uh, Star Trek II. You know, you grew up wanting to be him. And you look at Star Trek II and he, he says, I'm all used up. My life is over, you right. know. And it's like <laughs> he had a whole, they say there are no second acts. He's had a third act and a fourth right. act and a fifth act. I mean, you know, it's like Springsteen. It's like a Springsteen concert. I mean, he it never became, ends. He became a, a multiple <laughs> Emmy winner working on the practice, you know, playing Denny Crane and then moving over to Boston Legal. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, these are all things you'll hear in the episode. We, uh, Rob and I talk a little bit about working with him on, or a lot of bit, uh, <laughs> on working with Bill uh, in our movie uh, Free Enterprise, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. We talk a little bit about Star Trek V, celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. The impact of seeing Bill in Star Trek The Motion Picture, celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. It's a lot um, of anniversaries. So... Um, and we and we talk about you know him on T.J. Hooker on Saturday Night Live his musical career you know has been which is a, a genuinely great album. You must be the tattler. Two thumbs up. What are you afraid of? Failure. So am I. Has been. Has been. Has been implies failure. Has Not been. so. Has been's history. Has been, was, has been, might again. You know, unlike the 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 sort of. Um, uh, van- vanity albums, for lack of a better word, that he did earlier in his career. Um, so anyway, we 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 just want to say uh, from the Inglorious Trexperts uh, to you, Bill. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Enough of our yakking. Now let's listen to more of our yakking. Surely the best of times. And now, don't call me sure. On with the show. Hey, I'm Mark A. Altman. I'm Darren Doctorman. We are the Inglorious Trexperts. Yes. <laughs> what he said. And we're here with even bigger Trexperts and even more Ingloriouser. Uh, <laughs> Ingloriouser and Ingloriouser and Ingloriouser. Uh, it's a uh, writer producer uh, on uh, the hit new series Lore back on Amazon. And uh, as well as a writer for Red Sonja, he wrote uh, the screenplays for Thor and X-Men First Class. And uh, we're thrilled to have Ashley Miller, returning champion. Yo. Welcome back, (laughs) Cotter. And uh, (laughs) along with, we're giddy, we recorded a lot of these today. And uh, (laughs) we're so happy to have uh, the uh, co-writer, director, editor of uh, Free Enterprise, producer of The Hills Run Red, uh, the producer of the bonus content on the Star Trek The Motion Picture Blu-rays and Enterprise. Star Trek The Next Generation. What did I say? You said Star Trek The Motion Picture. Oh, I'm staying Mm. corrected. Star Trek The Next Generation Blu-ray editions, the uh, fabulous restored versions, and uh, Enterprise. uh, and, and many other things, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Thank you for having me. It's great to be an inglorious Trexpert. <laughs> and, and via Pike Era Communicator, we have Gene Roddenberry. Gene, are you there? Hello, come in. Are you there? I'm talking to you via communicator. Where are you, Gene? I don't know. It's pretty dark around me. <laughs> I can't really tell at the moment. Well, I don't know if you're going to want to listen to this podcast, Gene, because today's episode is the art of being Bill. It's a shot attack. We're going to talk about the genius of William Shatner. All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys later. Then I shall make use of this starship. It will be your chariot. Excuse me. It will carry my power to every corner of creation. Excuse me. I'd just like to ask a question. What does God need with a starship? Bring the ship closer. I said, what does God need with a starship? <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I, I got to tell you. You got to start at the beginning. I start at the beginning. It's, it's a very delicate great time. stories begin. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a young oh, man in Toronto, Canada. <laughs> I Montreal. To Montreal. And, uh, McGill University. Well, you're skipping ahead to college. I thought we were going to start with oh. him as a young man making his way in the world during the Great Depression. 
Um, this, of course, look, what can you say about the great Bill Shatner? He's a force of nature. He is a force of nature. As we record this, 87 years young. He is... Just has a new book out. Has a new book out. Yeah. Uh, uh, he has been... Um, he's not just known for Star Trek. He's known for T.J. Hooker, Rescue 911, um, uh, uh, Boston Legal, Denny Crane. Um, Denny Crane. The Practice. The, the he was Practice. Denny, he, was, he, was, he was Denny Crane on two different shows. He, 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 uh, he was uh, Matt Murdock on uh, Airplane 2, the sequel. The only good thing about that movie. Um, do you remember I'm, his character name in Kingdom of the Spiders? No. I do not. I, do <laughs> I don't not. think Bill does either. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I actually interviewed him for- You did? Uh, you actually interviewed for him? The, yeah, I actually interviewed him. <laughs> for, the, uh, for the Kingdom of the Spiders uh, DVD, they, they, needed some, they called me out of the blue and they said, would you interview Bill Shatner for Kingdom of the Spiders? I Would said, I? I said, if I have to. <laughs> I, I said, sure. I'd rather not? interview the He speaks spies. Esperanto. <laughs> but, you know. Esperanto. Look, uh, I, you know, not only is he someone we have admired, nay, Mark. worshipped for many years. <laughs> you know, Rob and I both had the good fortune to have worked with him on Free Enterprise nearly, well, it is 20 years since we worked with him. Um, we... Uh, he accompanied us on the publicity tour for that movie to the Cannes Film Which Festival. Which is this week. This week is the actual 20th anniversary of the world premiere of Free Enterprise in Sigis, Spain. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that it's 20 years since we premiered. The first time either of us had really left the country other than Canada. Yes. Um, we went to Spain, had the world premiere of the film where it was embraced. And we were really concerned that um, because of the... Uh, the culture gap and the fact that most of these people did not speak English. It was subtitled in Spanish and Catalan, and Catalan. that it would not play. But that was a raucous audience at midnight in uh, in uh, but Catalonia. But some jokes worked better in Catalan, didn't they? Some jokes did. And, and actually, I, I love the fact that my one of our handlers, I don't know if you remember this. I, I remember she handled you. She, she came up. She came up. <laughs> no, she came. Not this one. Not that one. She came up to me after the, the movie and I asked her what she thought of the movie. And she said, I did not like your movie. Because it made fun of sentimental problems, and I'd never heard that term before. Yes. Sentimental problems. She wasn't talking about Flaubert. No, <laughs> I thought that was cool. Sentimental problems. Yeah, I've been having those ever since. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. I mean, uh, the thing about free enterprise, and it's, it's worth talking about free enterprise in this context when we talk about Bill Shatner, because of course, Rob and I wanted to make a movie that honored our childhood idol, and you know, Bill had been doing, you know, at the time, we, we say bad Jeff Speakman movies. You know, it was before his well, renaissance. Good. Jeff Speakman? Rather, rather <laughs> redundant, I think. Uh, you know, it had been before, you know, this sort of renaissance. He hadn't been doing anything that exciting. Um, and, He'd been and, doing T.J. Hooker. Well, it, but this has been a while since T.J. Hooker was right. canceled. And um, we wanted to do a movie that honored, you know, the way we saw him. And, right. And we came up with this idea of uh, sort of played against Sam with him as sort of this Bogart, figure, you know, in the way that Bogart uh, sort of inspired Woody sort Allen. Sort of a mystical figure. Yeah, a mystical figure. and uh, Like the legend of Bagger Vance, only <laughs> with Star Trek. And it, it's amazing because when we did that movie, um, I remember it was Priceline had just hired him to do their campaign, and they asked us to send over some dailies. You know, it was him in the in the cafe at the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And... Uh, then they completely ripped off that scene for their their campaign. We didn't even get any stock options out of it, let alone free <laughs> tickets. So, uh, well, it was also interesting because Shatner at the time uh, he was kind of considered a pop culture joke in mm, a way, right. and he was never in our minds a joke. Like I, I he, he, in fact, we revered him as an almost religious figure in terms of of being somebody who we talked earlier on a different podcast about. How Star Trek shaped our morality, and and he was the kind of he represented the kind of human being Captain Kirk represented the kind of human being right. that we wanted to be. Because we have no affinity for horses, so it really was Captain Kirk right. and not Shatner. Because if it was Shatner, we would love horses. But you know what? I have nothing against horses. I like horses; they're beautiful animals. They're a tasty animal. But oh, stop! That's not. And 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 Ashley, and 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 uh, but um, but yeah. I mean, we we used to say on press tour. Remember, we would always say the same thing. We would say. You know, 
he inspired us to be the kind of people we wanted to be because he was a man who had the loyalty of his crew, the respect of his friends, and a green girl on every planet. And, you know, that was sort of our standard um, press tour, you know, bon mot. But there's something to be said for that. Right. But also, like, uh, other indelible uh, uh, performances from my childhood, too, is when he was in this Twilight Zone episode, Nick of Time, and then, of mm-hmm. course, Nightmare yep. at 20,000 Feet. Yes. I mean, those were things that, uh, that, that I kind of saw, that Star Trek and the Twilight Zone, I saw sort of concurrently all at the same time. Sure. And he always was a fascinating performer to watch. There was something always. about him that was, you know, he got... Look, yes, he got a little hammier, as as and his humor tended to go over the top. But watching his development as an actor, especially in the '60s and '70s, was quite interesting. Well, I think also, you know, because you look at him in even something where he's a small role, like Judgment in Nuremberg, and you know, he's really memorable. And 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 uh, uh, you know, we were there when we were at Cannes. Uh, there was a party for Free Enterprise and Festival of Cannes, which is the um, uh, film uh, that was uh, being, being Henry really, Jaglom, Henry Jaglom film. Uh, known to a lot of people as Henry Jackoff, is he, was, he basically, you know, <laughs> thriving off of his relationship with Orson Welles for many years. But um, we we were at the party, and and as we walk in with Bill, um, he sees uh, Maximilian Maximilian Shell, who of course uh, he hadn't seen since Judgment in Nuremberg, and he goes and they embrace each other in a huge bear hug. I mean, it's been many years since they saw each other, and Rob and I are just over the moon because we're like, oh my God, it's Captain Kirk and Dr. Hans Reinhardt, captain <laughs> of the sickness. You know, and uh, oh. it was it was a magical moment. Not as magical as when we were in Bill's office uh, talking about the script when Ricardo Montalbaum called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, Ricardo. <laughs> hey, how are you? It's amazing. They talk on the phone, but they never meet, just like in Star Trek 2. Um, yeah, so, you know, sometimes you should never work with your idols. <laughs> no, no. You know, it was funny because we made a movie about two people who meet their idol, uh, William Shatner, and, and, and find out he's, uh, you know, more screwed up than they are. That was the premise of the movie, right? And, of course, that's sort of what we found out making it. But we had an amazing— But you didn't find out he was more screwed up than you are. I mean, oh, you're no, You're still no. way more screwed up than Shatner. Yeah, yeah, no, no. no. I have to <laughs> say— sure. It was such a great experience because he was so phenomenal. Uh, he was great. And, and what's interesting is because of people like Howard Stern and, and, and George Takei popularizing that he might be difficult to work with, that wasn't our experience at, at all. At all. Right. I mean, he was he, – he really came to play. And as a matter of fact, you know, that that's his bomber jacket and hat. You know, he he got into the spirit of the whole, of the whole movie by – providing some of that wardrobe. He came with all these ideas, and I think when he's difficult is when he approaches people with ideas and they shut him down. Right. We were very open and inviting of ideas because, of course, he had, you know, 50 years of experience even then to draw on. And he'd been playing Shatner longer than anybody. <laughs> than anybody. <laughs> right. So it was like, why wouldn't we? And he was like a kid in a candy store. Like, he taught me, I'll tell you something, he taught me the something about directing and working with actors that I've never forgotten. The first time we were shooting with him was actually on Wilshire Boulevard in at, at the... Theater, the El Rey Theater that's on Wilshire Boulevard. We're shooting this childhood flashback, and Chuck Barbie, everybody's a little nervous. I certainly was nervous. And Chuck Barbie, our DP, is, is futzing with the lights, and there's cars, and it's very crowded, and traffic everywhere. And when we first brought Shatner out to shoot, Chuck was still futzing with the lights. And we weren't quite ready to shoot, and we just wanted to be perfect. And then Shatner took me aside, and he said, listen, Rob, um, I know this is your first rodeo, and just just remember one thing. When you're working with actors, don't bring us to the set until you're ready to shoot or until we're going to block or whatever it is you and I are going to do because that's our time. And when I'm out here on set, we should be ready to go and ready to work. And I don't, I don't want people to be futzing. Now, he wasn't mean about it. No. But he was he teaching me an important lesson that – and I've, Which is something the something, AD should have taught you, right? But he wanted to take over the movie, so. right? Absolutely. <laughs> so I was, I was, I was very happy to learn this, and he couldn't have been nicer about it. You know, he was very fatherly in this in this advice he gave me, but he was absolutely right, and uh, I'll never forget it. Yeah, no, no, and he was completely supportive um, through the the whole movie. I mean, because of course he came up. I mean, with so many ideas in the script stage, because we've told this story before about. Um, 
you know, uh, we sent him the original script and, and expected that he would do the movie and we did the financing and why wouldn't he? You know, it's a, such a great opportunity. It's such a fun role. And, you know, we had admired him in all these comedies like in, you know, what he did in Saturday Night Live and in, in, in Fridays even. And, you know, a lot of the, the, the skits that he's done and, and, and just Airplane found him. Airplane 2. Airplane 2 and found him wildly entertaining. In fact, we said that in the letter to him, never mentioning Star Trek once. And... Uh, uh, you know, he turned us down and we, we, we were like you know, seeing our whole careers go down the drain and we kept re reapproaching him. And finally, one day he calls the office and, you know, he said our secretary assistant said, um, um, uh, Bill Shatner on the line for you guys. And it was like, we thought she was kidding. Yeah. You, you thought it was me. We thought it was you. Yes, we did. We <laughs> thought it was you. And, and we get on the phone and, and he goes, uh, I'm very flattered you wrote this role for me. And uh, it's, a, it's a very nice role. And he says, but uh, I'm not doing your movie. And we're like, uh, well, why is he calling to tell us he's not doing the movie? He said, "I know how hard it is to raise money for a movie and things, and uh, but you know, it's 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 just too reverent. It's 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 too worshipful." He says, "I'm a fucked up guy." He said, "I I you know I got all kinds of troubles." And we're like, "What kind of troubles do you have?" He goes, "Girls," and we're like, <laughs> "The oh, women." Man. Well, is there anything we could do? Uh, you know, convince you to do the movie? And he goes, "No." Well, well. Maybe this one. <laughs> I'm like, not saying I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but just in case, if you were to do a rewrite, knock me down. Yeah. Make me human. I, I'm I'm a screwed up guy. And he said, I'll, I'll read your rewrite. I can't promise I'm going to do the movie. I probably won't do the movie. But I'll read your rewrite. And he write, He brought up Kim Basinger in yes, Box of Galena. <laughs> well, no, oh no, no, no. That gap tooth model was the first person he brought up. I, I, I think <laughs> well, that's it would be he great. wanted her as a, he wanted he, he wanted, wanted Lauren Hutton. Lauren Hutton as co star. Oh he couldn't remember her name. The gap tooth model. And we're like that's Lauren hilarious. Hutton. He's like, yeah, her. And <laughs> and and then and then yeah, it was like Kim Basinger would be good. He's like, yeah, she would be great, Bill. And uh, well, this was the time we were still talking to like Christian Slater and Samantha Morton about doing the. Uh, the movie and uh, Smith and Mathis, right? Yeah, Mathis. And um, his mother's BB Besh. And uh, yeah, Carol which, so we had to put her in, right? And and then when Christian dropped out because he had an appointment at jail, yeah, uh, she dropped out. Um, so I guess she couldn't pump out the volume after all. And uh, so um, uh, Bill read it, he loved the script because it became more f my favorite year than played against Sam, and ended up doing the movie. And um, but he was just full. He, I mean, he was the guy who had incredible energy on the set and, and and I mean you know even at that time you know he was in the 60s and um, I, I mean we would be working nights and he had more energy than anyone else Mr. Shatner I would like to say that I think you are the greatest American actor ever I'm a Canadian that their lifelong hero I've got an idea is definitely not of this world it's a musical version of Julius Caesar <sighs> I want to do the complete text well, I'll, I'll play Julius Caesar and all the other parts, too. The man I idolized since I was two turns out to be a raving loon. Ouch. And now... My lady friend, she left me. How can that be? I mean, you're you. He's going to lead them... How cool is that? ...on a voyage... Oh, my. ...to find love. Guys, you gotta mix a little reality in with your imagination. That's way stranger than science fiction. I'm not the one with the green girl sex fantasy. Oh, my. Did you see the way that she was peeping you? I don't believe it. I just met the most fantastic female. Claire, you should be happy for her. When Spock got infected by the spores and fell in love with Leela Colomi, he was happy, too. But Kirk fought him, made him resist. Yeah, whatever. Who do you see starring in it? Rafer Weigel, Eric McCormick, Audie Englin, Patrick Van Horn, Phil Lamar, and William Shatner. And that Dr. Spock guy with those pointy ears. As Bill. You can call me Mr. Shatner now. No tears for season. And we were working in California where it never rains in the middle of El Nino. Oh. oh, it was awful. I mean, we had one point where everything was getting flooded out and generators were freaking catching on fire and all kinds of stuff um, because of the, um, um, you know, the storms. And we, we had to rewrite an entire the entire end of our picture because they closed the Malibu beaches. We're going to shoot at Point Doom where they shot the finale of Planet of the Apes. Spoiler alert. And uh, <laughs> there's we, a we, beach in Planet of the Apes. We end up changing Apparently. it to a, to a soundstage. But all the through this process, he was so encouraging 
and 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 so wonderful and so and and that included in the marketing of the movie where right. we took him to Cannes and of course uh, we you know that famous thing we're walking down the croissette and he looks at Rob and I he's about to go do E and he looks at us and he goes topless topless is good <laughs> now like, when you say he's about to do E that means the <laughs> network yeah yeah, right? yeah okay yeah, he's about oh, to yes, appear good. on E <laughs> entertainment television yeah. he's about to do you guys have really pretty hair I <laughs> just it want was, to run my fingers through but then he gave this bomber jacket to uh, Planet Hollywood can which right. is an amazing story too because he invented this whole story about how it belonged to uh, flying ace Eddie Rickenbacker, and now he was returning this great this bomber jacket to the beaches of France where he came from, and it was all bullshit. But Robert, I'm like, that's an amazing story. We had no idea, and he goes, I made it up. I made it up. Yeah, was, uh... he's he's truly amazing. He's... I mean, you you look at him. I I had the good fortune of uh, seeing him uh, in May, in uh, in upstate New York. Oh yeah, right at the. Uh, uh, original series uh, set tour up there run by James Cauley. And in Ticonderoga. In Ticonderoga. Fort Ticonderoga, right? Well, the, the fort is next to the town. Oh, okay. Uh, but Shatner had known that area because he used to kayak down from Montreal, down the the lakes through New York. Right. Wow. He used to do that as a kid. Yeah. And he knew the area. So it was. He he told some amazing stories to uh, the crowd in the uh, auditorium that we had uh, him speak at. Um, but his uh, his demeanor and his uh, enthusiasm was like I'd never seen him before. I think he's finally becoming uh, happy with his his legacy. I think he's finally accepting himself as someone that people love as Captain Kirk. Well, it's Kirk. a remarkable legacy. And, you know, for a while, we he, all be you know, he was embarrassed about, you know, being associated with the Captain Kirk role. And, of course, you know, coming out of doing Star Trek and then living out of his truck and doing dinner theater and, you know, a succession of really mediocre movies to pay the bills was very hard for him. But, you know, it, it, now... He's an Emmy winner, two-time Emmy winner. Um, you know, he's he's done film, television. He was on Broadway with Shatner's World. I mean, he truly is a man who has done it all. Yeah. And uh, you know, and to 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 play so many iconic characters, not just be known for Captain Kirk, but to be known for T.J. Hooker, to be known as the Priceline Pitchman Negotiator. I mean, you know, it's, to be known as William Shatner. Right. And a musician, because even that, you know, you look at it where his career began with the, you know, those 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 novelty albums with the Transformed Man, Lucy in the Sky with Diamond covers, and, um, you know, then it evolving, and even that he would justify, oh, it was a performance art, you know, it was no, it was a terrible album, and uh, but then he goes um, on and does Rocket Man at the Saturn Awards in seventy seven or seventy eight, right. uh, which is legend, the stuff of legend, where he's acting it out as three different people. It's um, truly uh, unbelievable uh, as you've seen it, but you know. Look it up on YouTube. By the folks. time you get to something like Has Been, that is a great album. No footnote, no caveat, no asterisk. I mean, Common People, he does with Joe. It teamed the, up with Ben Folds to, to, to do that record. And it's terrific. And, it, and, and it's very personal. Right. Because Has Been, you know, is sort of this Western kind of thing he does. It's all about being criticized by people who've who, never been there, who've never tried. Never aspired to anything. All they can do is criticize. It's a wonderful song. It's clearly from the heart. You know, he writes a song about Noreen, his late wife, mm -hmm. who died tragically. Um, he writes um, uh, the, the Common People is a cover song uh, by you know the Pulp song where he does it as a duet with Joe Jackson, which is just a great wow. song. And then you'll have time. Mm -hmm. You'll a have song time. About dying. Yeah, which is just unbelievable. So has been. Is this terrific album? Then he did a, a you know the album of cover versions of uh, which is a little more kitschy, Major right. Tom right. and things like that. Um, and then I guess he's doing Christmas album, which is coming out. Well, he also had had a country album come out uh, last month. Wow! And uh, yeah, he has his his uh, Shatner Claus. Uh, and don't forget his out. prog rock rec record he did with mem former members. Of oh yes, that's right, oh, yeah. that's right. That I actually saw him at the Canyon Club perform. Oh my God! Wow. Watching Shatner wild. do prog rock, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, is it I test never, of love? Uh, it, you know, it was. It was. I never thought I'd live long enough <laughs> to but, see that. But it's interesting because I think that he, he's a man that doesn't stop. 
Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't want to stop. I think he's running away. He's like a shark. He can't stop swimming. He's like a toddler. You know, his, his daughter said, do you remember when his daughter told us that, that he has a reverse tumor? That he has a tumor that's... That's pumping him full of energy and giving him uh, incredible, you know, amounts of, of of stamina to do everything that he does. He's a superhero. <clears throat> yeah, and, he really is. And, and uh, when you think that every weekend he is going um, to somewhere conventions, you know, somewhere in the world, he's doing two or three conventions a weekend. Uh, look, I'm, I just opened Twitter. Okay. Uh, it, you know what it opened to? Shatner, William Shatner. Sydney, you, me, tonight, Shatner's <laughs> world. Literally, that's what came up. He's everywhere. He's in Australia doing Shatner's He's world. He's in Australia yeah. doing Shatner's world. And plus the story he tells in his book is horrifying, how he had food poisoning when he had his Broadway debut. And then he, he literally uh, uh, shat in his pants. He shat. Nerd. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, but I mean, which is a horrible story. But the fact that he can <laughs> laugh at it, and and by him laughing at it, we all laugh at it. You know, I mean, it's just I'm laughing at the superior. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that he's also I'm embraced also social else, media, but, whether yeah. he's on it or his people are on it, still he's embraced social media. Yeah, he's he's gotten in a few dust ups on Twitter with people. Yeah, well, I wonder how much of that real, you know, like you know, and how much of that is just. Um, you know, building the legend. You know, yeah. like the whole Jason Isaacs thing, and and uh, you know the Carrie Fisher thing was just a fun thing. But it was great. Did. Yeah, it was know. great. Well, think about this. So, Galaxy Quest, right? We generally talk about Galaxy Quest as a movie that is sort of Star Trek that isn't Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. That it's kind of about that. But the truth of the matter is, it's not really about Star Trek. No, it's right? about people's perception of Star Trek. Yes, and the actors and the actors. Yes. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, Tim Allen is basically playing sort of a a caricature version of all of the terrible things people ever He's said about the Mad Magazine version of Shatner. Well, and the cast right. hates him and uh, yeah. unrestrained ego and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas, but all that's true. But whereas, <laughs> um, you know, you have, um, you know, and then Leonard is very serious. You know, Alan Rickman, right. you know, you know, takes his role very seriously, right. and and it's 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 really fascinating. That it is the perception, you know, the, in popular culture of Star Trek rather than the way it was. And, you know, and recently, you know, he did the voice of Two-Face in the Batman animated film. Right, yeah. Right. Um, Which is really good. But yeah, you, with Adam is. West. With Adam West. And it's worth noting, uh, not only because we have a clip, but because um, the first time that those two work together, and they're very similar in a lot of ways in, in terms of their operatic performance, in right. terms of being cultural touchstones, and, but they did Alexander the Great right. together. And that, if you haven't heard it, is or seen it, is, is remarkable. Yes. Joseph Cotton, who right. else is in it? Uh, uh, oh my oh, goodness, my mind so just went. Oh, blank. John Cassavetes. Right, right, right. right, right. Um, it, it, it's like these legends of that era, and 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 it, it almost feels wow. like a lost episode of like the sequel to Bread and Circuses, right. you know, uh, where you know he's playing Alexander the Great, and you know he's just phenomenal, and it's Chatner in his prime and the early to mid-60s. It was a pilot that was never made for a TV series, you know, and he, What was it, 64? Yeah, it was before Star Trek, I yeah. think before, you know, For the People or whatever, right. you know. And um, he is, is he's just great in it. And if you haven't seen it, I think it's on YouTube and it's, on DVD. It's everywhere on you YouTube, You owe it yeah. to yourself to check that out because he's great in it. And, and to see him alongside Adam West and John Cassavetes and, and, and Joseph Cotton, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's just great. It's just freaking great. Um... And, uh, but let's talk a little bit about what he brought to Star Trek when he arrived on the scene. Um, lunch? <laughs> what, 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 what was Lester? Yeah, no, a wrong middle initial? Well, <laughs> that wasn't his fault. Um, but he brought a, a heroic quality to the show that, as we talked about on the other podcast, uh, didn't exist in the cage. Um, his portrayal of Captain Kirk was, uh, on one hand, uh, very human, uh, very real, but also very uh, uh, serious and uh, commanding. Mm. But also, he he seemed like someone you would want to hang out with. Yes, someone you want to have a beer with. I mean the 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 first Especially scene, brick, the first scene with him and Spock uh, playing chess shows his skill. Not only at playing chess, but also at dealing with his second in command, who um, is 
endlessly frustrated with human behavior, and he's laughing at it. It's terrible having bad blood like that. He's just so confident. He exudes through every pore his confidence and his command of the situation, and right when he gets the report from the bridge, he, he jumps into action. It's amazing to see, and he gets it from moment one. Mm-hmm. And that's why we all want to be him. That's why we all want to be him. He also had a, a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. Absolutely. You, know, and, and you saw he a... was having fun. Yes. He was not too good for the material. Like, right. You know, Jeffrey Hunter, you know, from day one thought he was slumming. Shatner right. was just happy to be there, and he was always trying to elevate it. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, do do more with it, but embrace it. And, and you know, he tells the story that he didn't have much time to prepare, so he just brought in a lot of the qualities that he had as a person and, and merged them with, with Kirk, and it's a great marriage. It's it's just outstanding, and the the relationships that Kirk has with women is so um, short lived. Advanced? No, no, no. <laughs> it's advanced and it's honorable. He right. loves and respects women. Well, it was interesting too. Like like again, I go back to Star Trek. How it shaped my ideal. What my idea of beautiful women were was totally classic Star sure. Trek. But if you remember the character of Kirk, all of his former paramours were scientists, right. or they were they were lawyers, or yeah. they, they were very yeah. these very accomplished. And all except one or they were still rude. loved him. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They still. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, and and I, and I thought even you know even she maybe when loved he was, him too much. Even when he was on a, I mean, again, the the superficial pop culture memory of Star Trek is that. Kirk is this ladies' He's a man, which, but he wasn't. No, he wasn't a womanizer. And I remember, you know, Shauna the Drill Thrall from Gamesters of Triskelion, when he has that conversation with her about looking up into the stars, mm-hmm. or he's talking to Barbara Babcock, or not Barbara Babcock, but um, uh, who, who played Lenore Caridian? Um, oh yeah. God, yeah, from Ironside. Um, oh God, Looney Tunes. What was her yeah, name? But um, when when he's you know. Worlds right. may change, galaxies. Yeah, 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 yeah. But a woman always remains a woman. I mean, he 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 always had. I mean, look, it was a product of the '60s, so there was beautiful women on the show. But Kirk was never some kind of lascivious. No, he was not he, Don he, Draper. He was not right. the space no. Don Draper. Right, right, no. right. No, not at all. At all. He was just charismatic as all hell. Yeah. No, and look, often you know, it was always consensual. You know, always. because like Drusilla in Bren Circuses, you know. <laughs> this famous scene of him putting his boots back on after the light goes, you know, the 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 the, the, the you know the fire uh, goes away. But um, but yeah, it was always you know and Ariel Shaw and Ruth and all these right. people. They were all professionals who had you know career. They were mostly career women. I mean, the right. the, the most goofy one you get is Angelique Pettyjohn in um, uh, uh, Games of Triskelion. But even that, you know, he needed to use her to get free. But right. uh, even at the end, she's like, I will always remember you, James yeah. Kirk. Well, that's the funny thing about the those, the, what people remember about Kirk is when these alien women or something happened, if the situation arose that he needed to do something to get out of it. Like in Wink of, uh, not Wink of an Eye, but in By Any Other Name. Right. With Barbara, Bap, not, that's, uh, Barbara no, Boucher. Barbara, Barbara Boucher. Barbara Boucher. Barbara Boucher. One yeah. of the most beautiful women to ever have appeared on Star Trek yes. ever. Yes. And she's like, just like. Miss Monty Penny, Casino Royale 67. I don't understand you and this simple, bi- you human beings and your simple biological functions. Right. You know, and then of course he's You've like. devoted so much literature to it. So, yeah. so much literature to it. So he's like. Well, he has to get the Enterprise uh, free from the Andromeda. Or they're going to Andromeda. Yeah, they're going to Andromeda, so he has to deal with it. And, of course, he's also going to make Rojan jealous. So he does what he has to do. Well, like anyone would. (laughs) What about the the Enterprise incident? She is, is again, uh, um, uh, a willing participant. He's not forcing himself on on her in any way. And, um, And she's only taking human form. Right. She might be some giant tentacle alien, right. which she he is, because Spock says, I was in their mind, and they were giant tentacle alien. She just looks like Barbara Boucher. Yeah. Right. And if you're going to be a human, and, that's not a bad one to And Kirk is fine with that. Yeah. He's, okay. So they're, she they're looks thermians. like Barbara Boucher. <laughs> right. They are Thermians. But, you know, yeah. it's so funny, because I was looking to see sort of some of the stuff he did after Free Enterprise. And it's amazing, because, you know, people, it's 20 years, a lot of people don't remember Free Enterprise. It was so impactful on his career, because after playing himself, Bill... In Free Enterprise, he then plays Stan Fields, which is basically himself in Miss Congeniality. He, you know, he's a big giant head in Third Rock from the Sun, another iconic role. Basically himself. Basically, William Shatner in Futurama. Right. Okay. So again, playing himself. Um, Fanboys. You know, uh, yeah. In, in, in Fanboys, you know, he's he's playing himself. 
Um, and and then there's a couple of oh, and he plays himself in Showtime with Eddie Murphy, and and basically you know the same role in in the Priceline commercials. It's amazing to me, you know, what an impact uh, that Free Enterprise you know had on his career. That you know, and and I think it part of it because it freed him to make fun of himself. Right. And he realized that it was, and then he did that for quite a right. while. You know, he sort of he realized that people loved him more because of that. Because he could poke fun of himself. He poked fun at himself, but we didn't write him in such a way where he was doing it at his own expense. Right, right. We were poking fun at him, but never at his own expense. Absolutely. We were still being reverential with him, and he really played ball with that idea. Like, we weren't taking him down. I didn't mean down. I parachuted. Yeah. You know, you're the... Oh, God, it's so weird talking to you guys about that movie, because I'm going to say your characters, or you, or whatever the... the, Proper Eric McCormick and Ray for Weigel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, they loved him, like warts and all. And I think, you know, his problem in that movie is kind of, you know, that phone call that you say that he that he made to you guys about like I just I want to be human. I'm a screwed up guy. And making you know, making them see it, making them understand that he's a human being. And I think that's what was so endearing about that performance. And that's why he can continue to play himself. But he had such a self-awareness because even stuff in that phone call made it into the movie. It's like when we were talking to him for like 20 minutes, a half hour, and we'd become really friendly and just did the fermenting ideas. And we said, oh, you know, and he, and, he, and he was saying, you know, we kept saying, Mr. Shatner, he said, call me Bill. And we're like, Bill this, Bill that. At the end of the call, we're like, oh, my God, thank you, Bill. And he goes, now you can call me Mr. Shatner. You know, and it was like he's such a self-awareness and, you know, and so witty, um, you know, and so much of what he gave us made into a movie. In fact, there's this great uh, uh, moment on the soundtrack, which we're going to play right now, uh, which is um, <clears throat> we actually had a deleted scene that Bill was really um, disappointed we cut out. In fact, in retrospect, Rob and I were very disappointed we cut out as well. I don't know how we got turned into uh, We put it back, though. We put it back, right? And um, but we turned it into uh, a, 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 a piece a on on the soundtrack, bonus soundtrack at one seven oh one seventeen oh one. No, it's at three twenty two. Oh, three twenty two. Because right. that's his birthday, right, March twenty yeah. second. So you have to like the album ends with "No Tears for Caesar," which is our Shakespeare hip hop rap that he does at the end of the movie, and then three twenty two minutes in is uh, it's just silent, self effacing song, which is where we took. His speech about discovering he wasn't William, it wasn't really Captain Kirk, and turned it into music, and it's so wonderful and delightful. Um, and uh, most people don't know that that exists. No. And so we're going to share it with you now. Look, I got to tell you a story. I was jogging one evening around my neighborhood, and I came across a, a burning building, blazing, and and the. Uh, but fire engines hadn't arrived with the crowd. We had all gotten around. They were looking at the building, and I came in the altar and they saw me and said, Oh, look at Captain Kirk. And, and, and then the uh, man came running over to me. He said, Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk, please. My, my child's in the building. Go, go, please rescue my boy. My boy's in the building. My boy, my boy's in the building. My child's in the building. I'm looking at him. He wants me to go into the building, but I can't argue with him because I am Captain Kirk. I am Captain Kirk. Because I am Captain Kirk. So I go into the burning building. I go into the burning building. So I go into the burning building. And I'm crawling around in the burning building. The flames are, it's hot, the smoke, the, 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 the ceiling is coming down on me. I got my hands in front, I get down on my hands and knees. I go into the burning building. Because I am Captain Kirk. I get down on my hands and knees, low, you know, because I'd seen Rescue 911. I know you got to get down low. And the smoke is coming at me, and the timbers are falling on me. I'm yelling, kid, where are you? No, kid. Nothing. I'm inhaling smoke. I've got my eyes. I can't see. My skin is falling off, and I back out. 
I'll back and I'll get outside. And there I see the kid on the lawn. The kid probably had jumped out of the uh, window. The father had caught him, and he's fine. He's playing on the lawn. The father's happy. Everybody turns around and fingers like left. I had no kid. I suddenly realized I'm not Captain Kirk. I'm no hero. I didn't save the kid. They were all laughing at me. And you just heard it, and I'll tell you the thing about it is uh, that's so great um, is that is actually based on a real story that Shatner shared with us, not that story. And after he told the story, it was very honest and 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 emotional. He said, "But I want you to change it. I don't want you to use my real story." Right. So I think we changed it from he was trying to help somebody who was drowning yeah. to to um, uh, burning 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 uh, burning house. Um, but uh, you know, those were some really uh, heady special times when we were working on that movie not only was it our first movie but to work with your you know idol and then have it be such a positive uh, experience and he continues to go strong he's still doing theater he's doing the conventions he's doing movies and television his one man show in sydney his one that man, one man show about. i've seen it twice why are you amazing. listening you should be there right now <laughs> i mean he's up on stage for two hours doing this one man show it's amazing it's absolutely astonishing to watch yeah, and and it doesn't uh, and it doesn't stop. And I he's, think he'll he's actually us all. he's actually coming back to Ticonderoga uh, this year. Are uh, there tickets still on sale? Because we should encourage our sale. listeners to StarTrekTour.com. StarTrekTour.com. You should go. I mean, Darren came back from that. He was positively giddy about the experience, and to see Shatner walk the decks of the Enterprise, I to imagine that that has been and recreated this time in such detail. He's doing tours of it. He's going to do tours of the sets. Uh, we should go and do a live podcast from there. That would be amazing. You know, we should go and, and you know, take the podcast and do it from the, set, the bridge of the Enterprise. We have James as our <laughs> I'm special guest. I'm speaking to you from the bridge, bridge. of the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And, it, you know, and I have to say it's a real, a real uh, shout out to both you and uh, especially to James Cauley for turning this um, fan thing into something professional that has given joy to so many people. You know, to build those sets for, you know, the fan films and then find a way to work with Paramount to do this is pretty remarkable. James is a remarkable man and uh, we're both exactly the same age. And it's uh, it's funny how paralleled our lives went and yet how they diverged. But he is so in love. Because you don't like Elvis at all. I, I'm not a big Elvis fan, but of course he's made that his livelihood. But... Um, his love for Star Trek exists in every section of that set and uh, it's just really amazing uh, if you have a chance go see it even if Shatner isn't there because it, it's you, you'll feel young again as when, as the, when world the world is it's, young it's yeah. truly I mean you know, you know I've been there and it's uh, it's incredible yeah. I have to say that one of the things you know we obviously neglected to talk about because we're going to save for a future episode is Star Trek V which all of us, I think, believe is, is underrated in many ways. And the things that don't work about it, there are reasons for that. Right. Uh, in fact, I think he's too hard on it now um, when he talks about it. Um, but, of course, next year is the anniversary, 30th anniversary of Star Trek V. So we'll revisit Star Trek V in a future podcast because it's the final frontier. If, but, you, if you have the uh, Blu-ray uh, of Star Trek V, you can hear uh, the Akutas and the Garfield and Judith Reeves Stevens and myself uh, do a commentary on Trek V. I think we should do a special um, episode where we do live commentary on Star Trek V. I think that okay. would be fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, I mean, you know, I think that that could that could be a special thing outside the podcast where you know be a, you know sort of special report you know where we do like a live audio commentary on Star Trek. The V. The moon is a window to heaven. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> for the eyes of lovers below. Look, you know, uh, we just talked about uh, Shatner for for Bill Shatner for quite a while. We could go on ad nauseum about the genius, the art of being Bill, but uh, I, 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 I don't think um, we probably should. Um, <laughs> we can, but should we, <laughs> gentlemen? We, just because we can do a thing doesn't mean we should, should do, do a do thing. thing. Um, uh, what's your favorite Shatner movie, Rob? My favorite Shatner movie, excluding Free Enterprise, because I don't think we, you know, that would be extremely narcissistic of us. Incubus. Oh, you dick! You took it out of my. <laughs> Incubus. Uh, are you, wait, Incubus. You, Isn't that as the, the Esperanto movie? Yeah. Le, yeah, Esperanto movie. Isn't it Incubus? Is Am it, I wrong? 
Do you have to edit this out? No, I, I, I feel like I, I feel like it starts with an I. I. I think that's right. Maybe yeah, it, it is. That's exactly what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, because it's Leslie Stevens from The Outer <laughs> yeah. Limits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Incubus. Yeah. Okay. Should I not take it? No, no, no you wait, can wait, absolutely no, no, take wait, it. I just, I just, you know. Is it Incubus does it have or, to or, is it, you said it. or is it Impulse? No, Impulse is different. Oh, it's Incubus. It is Incubus. It is Incubus. The only move, because it's so weird and bizarre and he's great in Yeah. It's amazing that he's a guy, even in 66, this whole film is going to be filmed in Esperanto. I think I can do it. You know, he's yeah. going to do it. He's going to learn Esperanto. He's going to do the. He's going to make that crazy movie. He, he's just fearless. He's fearless, yeah. and I think that's why he was so great as Captain Kirk because he brings that fearlessness as a person to whatever role he plays. He's willing to make himself look like an ass if that is what it takes, or he's willing to make himself, you know, courageous or or or, or, or vulnerable. I mean, it's just remarkable that uh, you know that he is that versatile and that. Uh, you know, incredible. I mean, and even look at look at a, an actor. He was a matinee idol looks uh, in 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 the '60s. I mean, one of the most handsome men. And women still, uh, uh, you know, when they see him in the '60s, you know, that that's the price line. Oh my, you know, wow, you know, and it's like, so look at him in Nightmare on Elm Street. The kind of Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet. Look at what he's, you know, <laughs> studly guys at that time. That's what you were in, like. Rock Hudson's in the closet, and he's only playing like tough. You know, guys, because that's the image matinee idols had. Right. Shatner's playing this guy cowering scared in fear, to death. He right. was scared, scared to death, to death. Of, of, <laughs> of, of, of a man in a carpet, uh, you know, on the wing of the plane. You know, you, you gotta, people don't understand the context of these things. That's remarkable that he would, he would do that when he's a working actor who's trying to be the manly man, you know, in the 60s and get these lead actor roles. And, you know, he'll play this guy who's absolutely terrified and basically carted away, you know, uh, um, you know injected with, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, whatever, you know, to knock him out. You know, because, and it, it, unbelievable. Fearless. Fearless. I, th- I think my favorite performance of his is uh, early in the first season, uh, The Enemy Within, uh, where he plays two facets of uh, Kirk, uh, the, you know, the meek Kirk and the, for lack of a better term, the evil Kirk. Um, I think he's tremendous in both. And you can see depth in both performances, that it isn't just black and white. You see the fear in the evil Kirk's eyes, and you can see that he is acting out of self-preservation. And the meek Kirk has the intelligence, but he also is struggling with indecision, and he doesn't have the strength for these important decisions. And it's just really amazing to see fairly early on in the series how he sort of nails this, and it's amazing. And to play both those roles and the technology of the time, and you know, to be playing against yourself is, is, oh, is technically is, it's it's incredibly hard. Right, it was the same thing in uh, where 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 what a little girl's made of, where he also has to play himself right. as this robot doppelganger, and he's great in that too. And Cherry Jackson is well, just she's amazing, extraordinary. Um, she's not real. Um, Ashley, favorite uh, favorite Shatner. Um, you know, there are so many moments from Star Trek that I could list you know the end of city on the edge of forever uh you know the the moment in his quarters with dr mccoy and balance of terror mm-hmm. um i love moments like that i love the end of requiem for methuselah although i oh, think that that's a know, great one it's yeah. awesome um but just to remember that the man has an amazing sense of humor i want to call out this little ditty uh, so about 20 years ago he did this thing on conan o'brien where it was um, Deep Thoughts from Bill or something like that was the name of the segment. Mm-hmm. And they would shoot him with like just a spotlight and like the stage, everything was black, black curtains. And he would sort of stand smoking a cigar. And when it would cut to him for the Deep Thought from Bill, he would turn to the, to the camera and he would take a big puff off of his cigar and he would say whatever it is he was going to say. And the one that has stuck with me mm-hmm. for 20 years is if Canada and the United States ever went to war, I'd be forced to kill as many Americans as I possibly could. <laughs> I'd enjoy that. And then he put, and then he turns back around. I'm just that to me is That's everything you need to know. Hysterical. I uh, God, there's so many you know moments, and you know certainly I could point to you know a hundred moments in Star Trek, because, and I agree. I I do like those subtle moments even more 
you know, than the big moments, you know, whether it be the end of City on the Street Forever or, you know, the moments where he's going small rather than big. Yep. Um, because, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's so emotional and it's just, you know, he, he he's he's incredible. And of course, they're great moments in Khan. I mean, I think they're great moments in the motion picture of great subtlety and, and impact that uh, he doesn't get credit for. Everybody says, oh, the cast is so wooden in that movie. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's just I'm I'm really you know hard pressed. Um, I I I do think one of the great Shatner moments is in Serenade Live, uh, not just the uh, the the Get a Life in which he's so great, and when the crowd is castigating him, and suddenly he says, "I was just joking." That's the evil <laughs> curse. But um, there's another segment that people don't remember as vividly, which is the Mute Marine. Yes, it was, was right awesome after Ollie North and the Iran Contra uh, scandal, and he's playing Ollie North, and he doesn't have a line, but just his expressions right. and his face as the mute marine who is refusing to testify is it brings me it just brings me to tears every time it's so funny and uh something else besides rocket man that brings me to tears every time i watch it for a totally different reason because it's so over the top goofy is um him and leonard on tj hooker together uh. um where shatner um you're in my way hooker <laughs> <laughs> and and we're going to listen uh we're going to listen to a clip from that right now you're wrong. They wouldn't have filed without that gun, without that kind of evidence, and you know it. What have you got? You got another voice ID. You just said it yourself. Foster's pushing for another writ, and he'll walk away, Hooker. He'll walk away again. Yeah, he might. If you don't turn it around. And if he does, you have yourself to thank for it. This is wrong, Paul. Dead wrong. Everything you're doing is getting in my way, Hooker. So there you have it. That was Shatner and Nimoy uh, together. Uh, it's uh, listening to them is is uh, it's a joy to hear them together. And even when they weren't playing Kirk and Spock, well, um, they were brothers. They were they were brothers. Even if it, at the end uh, they had had it been oh, they, somewhat estranged. They fought like form. brothers. They fought like brothers because that's family for you. And um, and we're family too. And we want to welcome you next time. Yeah, absolutely. And we want to thank you for joining us for the special episode where we got to celebrate the life and career of the great William Shatner. Uh, the first 50 years, another 50 years, we're sure, uh, are, uh, or the first 87 years. That's right. The next we'll, 50 years. We'll look forward to celebrating another old. 87 years uh, in 87 years. We have, to, um, we have to start thinking about what kind of a world we're going to leave for William Shatner. Because <laughs> he's going to so live true. Well, you know, Rob all. and I uh, did... Um, it was shortly after uh, Free Enterprise. We did a 70th birthday video. We did. Another joy. Um, we we did a surprise birthday video, and it was a This Is Your Life. And we went and we, we interviewed Leonard at his house, and we interviewed um, his manager, and we interviewed the ben head of Paramount, Stiller. and Ben Stiller, and Jason Alexander. And I'll never forget, that was where we met Leonard and... Leonard's like, this is very nice of you guys to do this video. How do you know, Bill? We made a film called uh, Free Enterprise uh, with him. And, he, and, and Leonard Nimoy goes, I hate that movie. Everything was Bill. Bill this. Bill that. What about Spock? Spock, hell too. Get out of my house. He was only kidding, but it, oh it was uh, it was it was it was it was one of my fond mem fond memories of, of Leonard. Um, but anyway, yeah, this has been a real joy. Anytime we get to talk about Chadner. Next week we'll be talking about Patrick Stewart. No, we won't. <laughs> Patrick, Someday we might. Look, I think we will because Patrick is is brilliant, and it's a whole different story. I'm sure it'll be very engaging. And <laughs> so you're saying we'll make it so? Darn right, we will. And on that note, I want to thank Robert Meyer Burnett. We can find him on Twitter at uh, Twitter Burnett RM, Instagram RM Burnett, or subscribe to the Burnett Work on YouTube to watch my new show, Rob Observations, the show about something. Ashley Miller has lore dropping uh, has just dropped on a uh, Amazon, where you can now watch the season of uh, Lore Season Two. Um, where else can they find you, Ashley? Uh, Twitter at Ashmaster Zero, and uh, Darren, Darren Doc, one at, on Twitter, one R, <laughs> and uh, of course you can follow me on Instagram and um, Twitter at Mark A Altman, also at Fifty Year Mission Book. Uh, and please, if you like our podcast, uh, vote uh, five stars. Um, you and if could, you don't, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Do, do nothing. nothing. <laughs> it, the computer will self-destruct <laughs> if you don't hit five, five, 
five. Our compliments Destruct to Zero Thompson. Five. <laughs> and uh, you can follow us on Inglorious Trexperts on Twitter. And a very special thanks to our friends here at Electric um, and especially engineer Bill Ritter, who makes us sound good because we certainly don't look good, but we sound good <laughs> thanks to Bill. And we, we're, we're grateful to him and the entire uh, Electric family for hosting us here at uh, Electric Studios. So until next week, this is Mark Altman, Rob, Ashley, Darren, and a few tribbles on the desk wishing you... <laughs> A very <laughs> Merry Christmas. Wishing you. And we call it the a, Aristocrats. <laughs> wishing you. A, a fun, fun Lip. voyage. Oh, my goodness. we gotta, we got to come up with some ending. Yeah, okay. If you have a good ending for this podcast, tweet us at Inglorious Trexperts and tell us how we should end the podcast because I've yet to bring the ship in for a landing once with any degree of authority or expertise. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe Bill Shatner can educate us on how to properly and dramatically end the podcast. Again, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Shh. Friends, Romans, countrymen. Lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. No tears, te- tears, te- tears for Caesar. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often turred with their bones, so let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered it. Here under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all. All honorable men, honorable men, honorable men. This was a man, this was a man. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.